It's This Week in Bourbon, where we've celebrated three months of bourbon news now in 2021. And here's your headlines for December 31st, 2021, where you'll look back at the past year with some direct-to-consumer shipping wins and losses, seven drink trends to start watching in 2022, and Heaven Hill announces some changes coming to their morning bottle releases. But before we get started, here's a quick word from our partners. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. And they're off for another Get 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. Happy New Year, everyone. If you're listening to this on December 31st, I hope you have some great plans in store for you tonight. Popping some bubbly, maybe popping some bottles, hanging out with some friends, having a good time. And if you're listening to this in 2022, I guess uh, let us know what the future's like if those jetpacks are are working and you're able to fly around in space yet. But it's Kenny here tonight. Ryan is going to be out. He's hanging out in Mexico. He's got his uh, you know, his family with them and they are at an all inclusive. And when I was talking to him earlier, he was like seven margaritas deep, found some wild turkey. He's, he's living it up. He's having a good old time. So tonight you have to deal with just me and my terrible jokes. So, so let's go ahead and let's start looking back at our first headline for the week. And that's going to look back at the past year. And there's been many, even if subtle shifts in the beverage alcohol direct to consumer or a DTC space. And here's some of the highlights by the Regulatory Council for Sobo Ship Compliant, Alex Coral. And so beer and spirits producers who want to ship direct consumer are still stymied by laws that prohibit their presence. And those efforts will almost certainly carry forward into 2022 because right now customers are starting to expect to have everything shipped to their doorstep. And that's not going to go anywhere. But beer and spirits producers are well aware of the wine industry's success and they want in on that market too. State regulators have also increased their scrutiny of the market. And there are widespread rumors about shipping by unlicensed parties, missed taxes, and sales to minors, which 
are concerns for regulators, even if the solutions they use aren't necessarily tuned to meet those concerns. And of course, we've talked about this plenty of times in the podcast, and we'll continue to start diving into this. And I hope you look forward because we are going to have Alex Correll, who is talking about all this stuff on the show in a future episode. But some other things that happened, there were also there was some progress that was made in Tennessee when Governor Bill Lee signed HB 742 or House Bill 742, which included new restrictions on the wines that a licensed direct direct to consumer shipper may sell and going straight to Tennessee residents. There was another bill that was introduced back in May that would lift a prohibition era ban that prevents the United States Postal Service from shipping wine and other alcohol directly to consumers. And this was called the USPS Shipping Equity Act, and it would expand services to places that only the postal services serves, like remote and rural areas. It's also going to give producers more options for shipping alcohol, which could reduce costs and help them start meeting some demand. We'll also likely see more retailer direct-to-consumer shipping lawsuits. This past year, the Idaho Alcohol Beverage Control Division's legal team reviewed the state's existing laws and determined that out-of-state retailers have no permission to ship any beverage alcohol products to to residents in Idaho. And previously, Idaho's laws had been interpreted to establish a quote-unquote reciprocal retail direct-to-consumer relationship, permitting retailers to ship direct-to-consumers to Idaho residents as long as those retailers were in a state that granted Idaho retailers similar shipping permissions. So as we can see, there's been a lot of changes that happened this past year, and I'm excited to really see this move forward even more. We've said it time and time in the podcast that this is really going to be the pivotal moment when we're going to start seeing a lot of interstate commerce start opening up, which is going to be good for brands that aren't in uh, every single state. They can ship anywhere. People that can start having limited releases that are owned and operated by the distillery. They don't have to go all the way through the three-tier system. I am a big fan of direct-to-consumer shipping. And it's, it's really weird that the wine industry gets to really revel in this, and it's, and it's almost like commonplace. But I don't understand why beer and spirits don't get that same level of, of fairness. And I hope when we bring Alex on the show, he's going to help explain a lot of this because I feel that he can shed some light on this. He's a big advocate for uh, moving all this in the right direction, and I hope we're going to see some answers here in 2022. Because it's really weird when we keep talking about the, we talked about the Supreme Court versus, or sorry, the Supreme Court case that was the state of Tennessee versus Total Wine. Total Wine won. I mean, they won, which initially said in the Supreme Court that this should open up interstate commerce. I mean, Brian Harrow came on the show and really said that this is this is really what's going to happen. Now, I'm not going to say I'm not going to put words in his mouth. That's not that's not legal advice. But he did say that there is opportunity for this, and I guess it, it's all up to interpretation. Granted, I'm not a lawyer, but that's how things work. So let's keep moving on. A group of researchers in Texas found that highly fit women and men are more likely to consume alcohol than unfit individuals. And this is from a new study that was published in the Journal of Medicine and Science in in Sports and Exercise. The authors explained that the licensing effect occurs when a person allows themselves to indulge in a questionable behavior after doing something virtuous. This study states that there is an overwhelming evidence of linking higher fitness levels to better health and longevity, but also noted that excessive alcohol can lead to chronic illness and other serious problems. The team of Texas researchers looked at the data from over 38,000 healthy patients aged 20 to 86 years of age and who participated in preventative testing at the Cooper Clinic in Dallas, Texas. 
the participant's cardiorespiratory fitness was determined with a treadmill test and classified as low, moderate, or high fitness level according to the patient's age. And the participants also had to answer a questionnaire assessing their alcohol intake according to the, this release. Now, the researchers also found that the adults averaging 46 years of age who participated in physical activity were categorized in the moderate and high fitness level groups had the tendencies to drink the most alcohol. And according to this study, that uh, moderately and highly fit women were 1.6 and 2.1 times more likely to consume moderate and heavy amounts of alcohol. And the report found that men in the moderate to high fitness level groups were 1.4 and 1.6 times more likely to drink moderate and heavy alcohol compared to lesser fit components. Now, I don't know about you. When I work out, I feel pretty good about myself. I'm not going to pat myself on the back, but I've been starting to work out again for the past week and a half. And I don't know if I've started consuming more. I might have an extra cookie from Christmas left over, but uh, I do find myself, I guess, uh, indulging a little bit more because I did my my 25 minutes of working out, did some push-ups, did my crunches, and I, I do I do feel a little more virtuous about it. So I guess that if we think about it, this does make sound sense. It does make sense from a personality and from a human trait and character perspective that if you do start working out or you do have some sort of active or healthy lifestyle, you probably are more prone to going out and having more social kinds of interactions. And so maybe that's why you are saying, hey, let's go ahead and let's indulge. We'll do 1.4 to 1.6 times more uh, likely to drink alcohol. I don't know, but I can totally see that that's where it fits in. And eh, who knows, I might fit in that group as well. So VinePair releases seven drink trends to watch in 2022. Now we're going to go over all seven here and maybe some you agree with and, and maybe some you don't. But they say that 2022 is going to be the year that flavor becomes a category. And so they're going to say you're going to look out for more collaborations between food and drink brands this year. If you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the Oreo wine collaboration that happened. And you're going to see some of those more in-your-face and bold flavors and probably some just shaking headlines, to be honest with you. Now, some of these big ones, uh, should I say, some of the big cities here that are on the coast may not see the rush of a cocktail bars like using screwball uh, in their cocktail creations. But they said that most cities in America will probably result in more drinks making their way into the homes as well. So the other part here is that there's going to be continued experimentation with wood and whiskey and beyond. This is not surprising in the least. So American whiskey is ripe for uh, an oak renaissance, and the signs of what's are to come are positive. Some of the most exciting rye releases VinePair tried in 2021 resulted from cask finishing, including Tattersells, Distilling, Port Wine, Barrel Aged Straight Wye, Barrel Craft Spirit Seagrass Rye, and with bourbon barrel aged everything going straight to the moon and specific types of oak becoming bona fide brands, watch this space for wood in 2022. I could say you probably could have watched this space for the past three years uh, because I feel that everybody is doing cash strength, you know, second bottled something right now. And it is it is overwhelming to say the least, but it is always good to see that kind of innovation. The other thing is that they're saying look out for cask strength Irish whiskey. So bottling at cash strength is it's less common in Ireland. And this is, again, another method that they're looking to deliver more individual character. And that's because, at least with Irish whiskey, it's a lot like what we do, a lot like what Barrel Bourbon does, is we are sourcing different places, and you got to kind of put your spin on things. And so with Irish whiskey, you source your whiskey from a lot of different distilleries, but you finish it in different types of sherry casks, and you try different kind of finishes. But 
apparently Irish whiskey doesn't have a lot of uh, the cash strength offerings. So they're going to see this more of a niche trend, and they're already seeing that some of these bottlings are starting to hit those markets in some small quantities. Now, this one, I think you could probably already guess what's going to happen is that celebrities are going to continue to cash in on the non-alc and alcohol alternative trends. So there's been an increasing array of non-alcoholic spirits, wines, and beers. And for the sober curiosity entering the mainstream, expect more A-listers to join. Another one is that craft beer prices will rise. Well, we talked about it before, the global supply chain issue. Wow, the one with Ball Company, where they basically said that if you're a craft beer supplier, you have to start buying your cans by the container or maybe multiple containers if you even want to get cans anymore. So not just craft beer, but I would expect a lot of things to rise. We've been informed already when we're putting down our new make barrels that our costs are already increasing uh, close to 10 to 20% on a lot of different materials. Wood's gone up, corn's gone up. The steel, just the steel that's used to create the the hoops for the barrels, it's up with like a thousand percent. It's, it's, insane right now. And the unfortunate thing is that I don't think we're ever going to see this go back down. Now, another thing that Vine Pair says is that innovative packaging will make waves. So they are seeing an increased adoption in the, well, of course, like wines that come with the bag in a box, both from a producer and a consumer standpoint, this now remains more of a hope rather than a trend leading into next year. But they are seeing other areas where convenience is meeting sustainability and innovation, and most notably among the on the go and ready to drink cocktails. And lastly, they say that you're going to see more nostalgia. And that's because we saw the reboot of Sex and the City this year. And so you really saw the Cosmopolitan start making the return as one of the trendiest cocktails around town. The Espresso Martini has also staked its claim too. Now, while old, ho- while old school hotel bars become new and hip for the latest generations of drinkers, you will see this also start making its way into other places as well. I think there's probably some good trends in there. And I kind of gave you my my ideas through there, but I do think that you're going to see some of these trends start happening. Personally, I would love to see prices come down. I would love to be able to see uh, on the producer side, because I know myself and, and what Ryan is we're, we're doing is that we're eating a lot of that cost to make sure we don't have to raise our prices when it kind of hits the, the end consumer. But unfortunately, we'll, we'll see what the next few years kind of has in, has in store for us. I really hope this whole supply chain thing really does get figured out because it's a huge, huge bummer. So the last sort of one that we're going to talk about tonight is that there was a report that shows that white oak trees aren't growing at a sustainable rate. And this is according to a recent report from the White Oak Initiative. So this is, again, from another article that came out. I think it was on Kentucky.com or something like that. And they talked about bourbon is aged in charred oak barrels, which gives the spirit flavor and color. We all know that. White oak is integral in the multi-billion dollar bourbon industry. And according to the report, 60% of the mature white oaks acred surveyed had no seedlings present, and 87% had no saplings, and this is a grave sign for the future of trees. But for now, white oaks are aplenty, but fewer younger trees are sprouting, which brings up concerns about the future. This report predicted that the white oak population will begin a steep decline in the next 10 to 15 years if there are no changes in forest management, and white oak trees can take around 60 to 80 years to grow, and that's at the minimum as the size that's needed to be used in wood products. And also, according to the report, one reason for the decline is modern fire suppression techniques, which allow species such as maple and beech to thrive, but not oak trees. And other threats to white oak population are a lack of active forest management to remove competing species. You have invasive pests and plants and stresses that are related, of course, to climate change. Well, 
If anybody else was wearing shorts during Christmas this year, you'd probably say, yeah, I believe in climate change. And the report recommends approaches to boost the regeneration of oaks, including logging, controlled fires to create better conditions, and planting of trees. There are also other initiatives that the bourbon industry has started, such as back in August, Heaven Hill announced plans to partner with Independent Stave to sponsor logging certifications and remove non-merchantable trees that impede growth of promising oaks. And in September, Angels Envy announced their tree planting campaign on Twitter, where they every time anybody used the, uh, the hashtag of Toast the Trees, they would plant a new white oak tree. And Buffalo Trace also had theirs as well. So you do see the bourbon business sort of giving back. Now, I will say, we've had this on the podcast plenty of times before. And one thing that kind of irks me is I think this was really spun in a direction to kind of have bourbon as the headline. Because we've talked about white oak and how much is actually used by the bourbon industry. And white oaks in general, I think it was around 5%. I think it's less than 10% of the white oaks annually are actually used for bourbon and barrels. And that kind of just goes to show you it's the housing industry that uses a lot. So I feel that this this article was really taken in a direction to kind of just make headlines. Now, granted, it's good to kind of see this and kind of get that information out there, make people aware about what's happening with White Oaks in the future, is also kind of looking at the future of climate change and what is being done about it, and what other bourbon companies are doing to help do the regenerative process of it. But just take this with a grain of salt. I still think we're we're okay for uh, the short term. And this was really just spun in a direction to really make it look good for the article. Again, 5% of white oaks that are going to be used for bourbon. You're going to hear this more in a few weeks when we have a guest on from Independent Stave and we go again deep into wood science and we actually bring this up and talk about it too. But let's go ahead. We'll take a break, hear a quick word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back with some bourbon release news. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus Magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns, from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone. Transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. Welcome back, everybody. 
let's hop in with some bourbon release news. There's not a whole lot, but we do have some, and I think you're, you're going to want to know about it. It's just one of those things. It's end of the year. Everybody's kind of, uh, if, I tell you what, if you've had the week off, congratulations. I hope you're able to get some stuff knocked out around the house. I know I was able to as well as getting caught up well for the podcast for going into 2022. Got a lot of stuff, good, a lot of good stuff that's planned now going into the next year. So let's hit it with the first and actually the only actual bourbon part of this. And that is from Journeyman Distillery. And they released their last feather rye cask strength. And it was called Single Barrel Batch Number 1. And this is crafted from the same material as the traditional last feather rye, which is 60% rye and 40% red winter wheat. This unique single barrel expression came out of a 30-gallon barrel from the Barrel Mill Cooperage in Minnesota. This barrel was made from white oak and has a char level 3. Batch number one is four years old. It's bottled at cask strength, which is 117 proof, and the price point is at $65. However, I did get this press release not too long ago, but it did say that it was released back at the distillery on December 18th. So if you're a fan of Journeyman Distillery and you're just now hearing about this, make sure you go check it out. I am kind of interested about that, that mash bill, 60% rye and 40% wheat. I don't know if I've said that before, so that'd be interesting to try. Now here's one that kind of made might shake a, shake some nerves and, and make a little bit of waves in the in the bourbon world. And I saw this because it popped in my newsfeed, and this is coming from directly from Heaven Hill Distillery. And they're announcing changes to their morning bottle releases. And this is going to cut down on all those pesky people that are trying to get bottles every single morning. So here are the new rules. If you plan on going to Heaven Hill Distillery and getting a bottle, uh, they said that they're going to go ahead and try this for a little bit, but they could it could change. They, get, they could do what they want. They can adapt. They can kind of see how things are going to work. Because we all know that there's no good way to do a bourbon release, but they're trying. So here we go. So beginning in January of 2022, they will only offer special release products on Tuesday and Thursday, which they had been doing stuff almost every single day for a while, but it's limited to probably 10 to 20 different bottles. You must be 21 years or older to be hold a, actually, sorry, you must be 21 years or older to hold a place in line and purchase. And they will begin a new voucher system to redeem your purchase. So 30 minutes prior to the Heaven Hill Bourbon Experience opening, one of their members of their team will come out and hand out vouchers. And you'll be required to show your valid driver's license at this time and fill out the voucher with your name in front of the team member as you're standing there. The voucher, the name on the voucher must match the name of the driver's license of the person making the purchase. And voucher colors will change every single day. No other ID methods are allowed. It must be a valid driver's license. Furthermore, they will require your voucher and your valid driver's license again once you reach the retail register for your purchase. And you must purchase this voucher before you, sorry, you must purchase with the voucher before you leave the property. It is not valid once you leave. And remember, only one bottle purchase per valid driver's license. And there will be no chairs or placeholders allowed in line waiting for the bottle purchases. And if you're not in line when vouchers are being handed out, you will be omitted for the purchase opportunity on that day's release. They said they could please continue following their Facebook page for the Tuesday and Thursday releases, and they will be posted on Monday and Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. And if these guidelines change, they will be posted the day prior to the change. Now, I did read some of the comments, and some people applauded it. Some of the people weren't happy about it. I'm sure the people that weren't happy about it are the ones that abuse the system, which is fine. I mean, we've seen it plenty of times before. You're not going to get around it. There's always going to be people that abuse it. And I'd really see this as, as a way to move forward. I know for a while they were 
actually scanning your driver's licenses and they had it in the system and you could only purchase like one particular bottle, you know, every so often and stuff like that. It must have just gotten to the point now where it's it's getting so difficult and they're seeing the same faces or they see the same faces bringing five different people with them and those five people are maybe rotating out and there's people just getting the bottles and flipping them. It's unfortunate. But that's that's the reality of what it is. I'm just glad to see somebody's kind of moving this in the right direction. You also have to give them props as well of making sure that they have something special for consumers when they go and visit. I think that's probably one of the biggest things that are missing inside of the bourbon world. It's like, it blows my mind when people go to Buffalo Trace and they're like, oh my God, we have Blanton's today. Like, okay, I get it. But that's, the Blanton's isn't like uh, an old Fitzgerald or it's not like a, you know, a William Heaven Hill or something like that. I, I I feel that Heaven Hill is doing the right thing. They're trying to put some things out there. Um, but the biggest complaint that they saw so far, at least from what I started reading this, is that there is no releases on Saturdays. And so that starts alienating people that are coming from out of town that do want to get a bottle. And if <laughs> I guess they got to get there on Thursday. But, you know, that that is the unfortunate thing. Uh, however, just expect these plan, these plans and these rules to be a little fluid. It's going to start changing uh, little by little, but I'm just glad to see that they are going to start really making sure that they limit the types of people and the amount of people that are getting these bottles and kind of sharing that wealth as, as much as possible. So our last story for the day is that back in November 2018, and this is, this is kind of a weird one, but I saw this, and the reason I put this in here is because for the past few weeks, there's always been one kind of liquor that blew my mind, and I was like, I had no idea people were doing this. We had Arby's and French fries. We've had the Oreo and the wine, and this one, this one might take the cake, so let's go ahead and let's get into it. So I mentioned back on November 2018, Les and Paul Ansley, they launched their first bottle of gin called, I I can't even say this right, but it's Nodolvu, it's it's spelled N-D-L-O-V-U. And love you. I, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try it again. But I just spelled it for you. Try yourself. So this bottle of gin and their distillery is located in Cape Winelands town in Par, in of Pearl. That's out of South Africa. However, there's something very unique about this gin, and that it's infused with elephant dung. So after relocating back from South Africa. From the United Kingdom, the couple took their family on a safari drive and were amazed by what the safari ranger had to say about elephant's dung. And an uncommon fact is that elephant dung can be sourced uh, to actually use for heating, uh, sorry, for uh, healing water, painkillers, and insect repellent. The mammals consume approximately 200 to 250 kilograms of plants on a day. And on their drive, the family discovered that elephants digest only 30% of what they eat, and the, re- the remaining 70% is left on the field as waste. So infusing the elephant dung is similar to making a cup of tea, sort of like uh, using a tea bag is what they said. So it's immersed in the base alcohol, like a tea bag and hot water, and then left alone to brew. And this allows the alcohol to extract all the flavors from the dung. And the dung is explained to have its own unique flavors because of the plants of, that the elephants eat, which may vary from season to season. So in the winter, elephants can eat prickly pears and other shrubs, whereas in summer where they eat more citrus fruits. And when they eat, what they eat is going to contribute to the flavors that are extracted by the alcohol. They now have three different spirit flavors listed on their website, and it's going through major retailers locally in South Africa, and they're distributed some places internationally, and it's selling for approximately 
545 South African Rand or around 35 US dollars. So there you have it. That is the last crazy story that you're going to hear in 2021 about what new crazy alcohol trend or thing are we going to kind of see. And I'm glad we kind of wrapped it up with some some good old elephant dung. So with that, everybody, cheers. Happy New Year. See you next week when it's 2022.